0: welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message given on Sunday morning, August 14th, 2022, by the brand new area director of Young Life in Anderson County, Andy Ogle.
1: Good morning. I was nervous about this mic to see how tall it was going to be. I mean, I'm always, you know, a little challenge with these microphones getting my nose. I always wonder how's it gonna really be. I wore my cowboy boots this morning so I might, you know, get over the mic. (laughs) Hey, um, sincerely, thank you for uh, giving me the privilege to hang with you this morning and unpack a little bit. Um, Like Brad said, I'm Andy, I'm Andy Ogle. I'm here with my family, Uh, my family, my wife, Olivia, and Wyatt, Boone, and Josie are our children. And so we are new, New Anderson County, as Brad said. It's been really fun. it's, it's really an honor. I told Tom and Lee that I'm going I'm to give them my best shot to stand in the gap. As we've all kind of said a few times, it tells you a little bit about their leadership and the sweetness and the goodness of what we have here. And so I get the privilege of kind of standing in the gap while they have been in Missouri at Clearwater Cove at Abigail's uh, wedding in now marriage, and that's kind of fun. They're all driving back, so thanks for letting me be here. Um, A little fun fact about Olivia and me is we just celebrated 20 years of marriage, August 3rd, which is fun. Um, It's the same date a year after Lee and Christy celebrated their their wedding day, and so we had the same guy that stood up there up front and did our wedding. So Tom did our wedding on August 3rd, 2002, on that hot summer evening, and I think we have spent um, the better part of those 20 years, you know, kind of hoping that, could we go to Christ Community Church? Could we come here? So it's really fun that uh, part of our journey has been that God brought us here 20 years later, we are doing our best to become a part of the fabric here at Triple C. So that's really just a little behind the curtain, selfishly, a fun thing for us. Um, Okay, if you really knew me, if you really knew me, you would know that I love Christmas. If you really knew my family, you would know that we're, we're big fans of Christmas Day and of, of the Christmas season. Um, I mean, I've got some pretty intense Christmas stories along the way and Christmas experiences, just, just ridiculous things like crazy scavenger hunts all over town, things that you, just, you can't make it up. Um, one time, we, we rode our horses on the farm and we, we chopped down our Christmas tree and we drug them in the snow with the rope, dragging This is like a Western movie, kind of, but we did it. And we drug our Christmas tree into the house on the farm. Um, one time, growing up, I was with my stepbrother and we went uh, down in the basement and we opened the door. This was Christmas break and we opened the door to discover the Christmas stash. And so, I mean, you know the Christmas stash, right? Like, it's, it's all the things that our family is gonna give each other a few days from now. And there they were, the birdcage, the baseball glove, the giant speakers, the boom box, thank you. And, uh, and, and we, were so ex- we were so excited only to discover that the real challenge came Christmas morning, <laughs> when we had to fake it. And I don't know that I ever told my mom that, I, that we did that, um, but we had to fake it on Christmas morning, and it was, it was a real challenge uh, to do that and open our presents and try to figure all that stuff out, um, really, really fun about Christmas and uh, excitement, and One other thing, if you knew me, you would know that uh, my family, we had a little Christmas tree farm in Lenore City for a few years. It was North Spoon Christmas Trees and that was a fun part of our fabric. Really part of our story as God called us to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. We couldn't have predicted it. It was just this crazy deal that um, after being on Young Life staff for 17 years and doing Young Life for a long time at Lenore City High School, God made it abundantly clear that it was time to let go to trust him and follow him to Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which ironically is Bill Reeser's hometown. Um, And so we went there, and for nearly three years did Young Life at SEMO. And uh, all of a sudden, again, unpredictable, the Lord showed up and somehow opened a gate, and this door opened for our family to come do Young Life here in Anderson County. Couldn't have called it, couldn't have seen it coming, I think the way we describe it is that God drew our heart, like he drew us in our hearts, not necessarily in our comfort, because we had a home, we had a job, we were doing our thing and, um, and God drew us in our heart and we listened to that and, and we followed him just out of obedience. And so now we live in South Clinton and we're working on a house and moving here and excited to do Young Life in Anderson County and be a part of this community. Um, really just just fun part of my backdrop. So when I look back at those Christmas moments and uh, like opening presents that (laughs) I had to put my smile on, you know, the poker face when you have to put it on for people. Sometimes, like when you find Christmas presents before you open them, we find out that things weren't intended for us. Like we find out things that weren't intended for us to know. Sometimes uh, the opposite result seems to occur when that happens. Like when you find out someone else's secrets. Or when you find out how someone really thinks of you. Or what about when you've read a text message on someone else's phone. Or a screenshot that got sent to you. Or someone accidentally texted you. Or you saw an email that wasn't intended for you. And what do we do with that kind of input? And what do we do with that information? One time, a a good friend of mine, he sat down with me and he showed me a letter that he had received from a friend of ours, a guy who was involved in our ministry. This note went on to explain all the things that I'm not. Basically, for me, it felt like how bad is Andy in this guy's eyes? He showed me the letter, and once I finished reading the letter, he took it from me, and he ripped it up right in front of me, and he just smiled. And I have you know, thought, what could I have done with that information? What would that have done if it was just left to fester in my mind or fester in my heart? What kind of conflict could I, would I have uh, proceeded with this other person whom I knew? My mother-in-law likes to say that life is meant to be lived going forward. And so that was water under the bridge. We, he ripped up that note, water under the bridge. It's this kind of invasion of privacy. It's this kind of intrusion from or because of other people. And it hurts. And a lot of us know what that looks like and what that feels like. This morning, we're going to open up the pages of the Bible that I believe are just words from God's own heart. And there's a verse that's really special to me that just always points me to the Lord. It's, it's him speaking. It's Ezekiel 36, verse 26. In the Bible, God says this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Hear those words again. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. I think these are words to live by. You know, and it's worth asking the question. Do I really believe it? Am I willing to put his words into practice? Do I really buy what these words are saying? Well, I believe that there's more of what Jesus is asking of you and me as a follower of Christ. And if we look in uh, the Gospel of John in chapter 21, we're going to pick up with an encounter there where Jesus uh, encounters his disciples. He has um, risen from the dead. He has revealed himself a couple of times. And um, he's shown up, and, and now these, his friends, the disciples, they're out fishing. And in particular, John and Peter is who we're uh, looking at. And they're out there fishing, and this man is from on the side of the shore. And he says, hey, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. And so they, they ask again, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. And they do, and they have this giant haul of fish. And so in this exchange, John, the disciple John, recognizes that it's Jesus. And he cries out, It's the Lord. And in the moment when he says, it's the Lord, like they recognize, that's Jesus. He's the risen Jesus. That's our Lord. And Peter, Peter had most of his clothes taken off and for some reason Peter puts his clothes back on, dives in the water, swims to the shore um, ahead of the boat. And John's left with whoever's with him on the boat and they bring the boat to shore where Jesus is waiting with uh, fish on the grill, if you will, over a fire. And so they have this breakfast meal together. Um, We're going to look at an encounter with Jesus and Peter right there at breakfast. In Young Life Camping, when we take high school friends and middle school friends, we take friends to to Young Life Camps, we have this great experience, there's these moments on the tail end of the week where you get a chance to have what we call a one-on-one, and it's a chance to hold out a mirror in front of our friends. Here's the mirror. What do you see? It's a chance to dig in their heart. It's a chance to be a sounding board and listen I think Jesus was where we got that from. Here's this this picture of this one-on-one with Jesus and Peter, where Peter had blown it a few times. I know what that feels like. I tend to say, uh, I reserve the right to uh, put my foot in my mouth. I reserve the right to be wrong. So Peter's blown it, and we're going to pick up in John 21, where Jesus um, is restoring Peter. Verse 15 says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. That's important to hold on to. And then Jesus said to him, follow me. Peter turned and he saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper. And he had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? That's John, by the way, writing the Gospel of John, making darn sure that we know that Peter is talking about himself. Peter's talking about John. Hey, this is John. This is John. He's talking about John, if you you wanted to know. And the letter is called the Book of John. Just saying. Uh, When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Now, for you parents in the room, hmm, what about him? How many many times have we heard, what about him? What about dot, dot, dot? I mean, what about him, Lord? And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple, that's John, would not die. Because Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that this testimony is true. An eyewitness account, it's a really historical event that really happened. That's what that's saying. So when I think about that, uh, what's that to you? (laughs) I think about something Olivia and I joke about a lot. My wife, Olivia, um, we talk about who's going first. Like, who's going to go first? You know, like, who's going to get to the pearly gates first? her or me. And uh, here's the deal, y'all. My wife's family, like they've got great genes, you know, and I don't mean they're Jordashes. I mean like, you know, they're, um, <laughs> thanks for that, Jordashes. Oh man, that was a good laugh there. Okay, so they've got great genes and they uh, they all live to be 120. I mean, they all live, and my family, we like biscuits and gravy. So... Yeah. It, the timeline's not the same. You know, 120 biscuits and gravy don't, doesn't really add up. So we say, like, who's going to go first? And I feel like Jesus is saying sometimes, he's like, what's that to you? She's going to be 120, and you might not be. What's that to you? But to you I say, follow me. Matthew Henry said about this encounter, he said, And if we attend to the duty of following Christ, we shall find neither heart nor time to meddle with that which does not belong to us. And if we attend to the duty of following Christ, we shall find neither heart nor time to meddle with that which does not belong to us. So what's that to you, I wonder? When have you allowed the temptation, the threat, the lie, the fill in the blank, to sneak in on your mind and your heart and your world? Or maybe like Peter, you have allowed yourself to, uh, to vocalize it or to, to run its course only to disappoint and maybe even wreak havoc. Unfair? My kids have said that a lot in life. Unfair? We've got a sign in our house. It says, fair is where you buy cotton candy. (laughs) We had some cotton candy a couple weeks ago at the Anderson County Fair, but fair is where you buy cotton candy. So what's that to you? Follow me, says Jesus. Just this week, a friend of mine, one of the guys who's working on our home that we're, Uh, redoing in Clinton. He said, can I ask you a real question? I mean, you don't have to answer it. But I do have an actual question that I've been curious about. He said, how has this house, and like all the problems that you've had, like like all the problems, he's talking about um, mold and termites and rotten wood and things that are crooked, and just there's a few more things, okay?" He said, how has, how has this house and all its problems, how has that affected or wavered your faith? He said, Andy, what I'm trying to say to you is, where are you in your faith with all of this? As he was like knocking out a brick wall in the front of our house. Um, where are you in your faith? I said, I'm so glad you asked. Yes, yes, I have an answer. Yes, I'm glad to give you an answer as I began to unpack um, how my hope, my vocation, my calling as a follower of Jesus is to love, honor, and serve God in all that I have and all that I do. We talked about putting our faith, I mean actually putting our faith into practice and what that can really look like when we put our faith in motion, actually doing so. And then my friend told me about a family member of his. Uh, someone in their home who had abandoned their faith, who has abandoned their faith, who has abandoned their family, who has basically looked at the family and told them where they can all go and how much it hurts. You see, I don't think my friend was just asking me about my faith. I think he was asking me about his faith and how might he gain perspective on the faith that I think he so desperately deserves, that he desires, excuse me. It's like when A.W. Tozer said, um, that time when he said that the most important thing about you and me is the image that comes to mind when we think about God. That the most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think of God. There's a book called Streams in the Desert by L.B. Kalman. <clears throat> Here's an excerpt that she said. It's a, it's a, a story. I once heard a story of a man who attended a tent revival meeting, and he tried to give himself to God. Every night at the altar, he would dedicate himself to the Lord. But every night before he left the meeting, the devil would come to him and convince him that he did not feel any different, and therefore he was not truly redeemed. Again and again, he was defeated by the adversary. Finally, one evening came, he came to the meeting carrying an axe and a big stake. After dedicating himself once more, he drove the stake into the ground just where he had knelt to pray. As he was leaving the tent, the devil came to him as usual, trying to make him believe that his commitment to God was not genuine. He quickly returned to the stake. He pointed to it, and he said, Look here, Mr. Devil. Do you see this stake? Well, that's my witness that God has forever accepted me. Immediately, the devil left him, and he had no further doubts on the subject. So my thought is this, sometimes, for you and me, I wholeheartedly believe that it is time that we, that we drive a stake into the ground. And when you're tempted to believe in the lies that whisper in your heart, that you go back and you look at the stake that you drove in the ground. And you say, look here, Mr. Devil. You see that stake? That's my mark. And like Letty Kalman said, then let that be your witness before God and even the devil, that you have settled the question forever. So when life and its circumstances, when they, uh, when they serve us a plate of messiness, like I said to my friend at my house, it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change God's love for you and me. It doesn't change God's call and command to us. He says, follow me. He says to open these pages that come to life because we have God's Holy Spirit resident within our heart. We have his promised seal and his guarantee that we will forever belong to him, that, we will, that he will never leave us. Why would we allow ourselves to be so tempted only to cause trouble? I mean, think about it. Whenever an angel shows up in scripture, whenever catastrophe arises, when God has revealed himself, the words ring true and similar to uh, do not be troubled. Or yet another warning says in this world, you'll have trouble. It's a promise. And in other places, we're told that the world will hate us because of Jesus. I've got a friend who talks about these three questions that he asks himself every day. Three questions every morning he asks himself. And he shared those with me, and I love these. And they have changed me, and they are a bit of a reorientation uh, at the appropriate times in my world. I use them in conversation. I use them as a dad and parenting with my kids. It's just my own heart. And here's these three questions. The questions are, who am I? Who am I called to be? And what am I going to do about it? Who am I? And like, like, who do I belong to? Who am I called to be? What does God say about me and who he calls me to be as a follower of Jesus Christ? Who am I? Who am I called to be? And the third one, uh, if it's not the most important, it might be uh, the most applicable. What am I going to do about it? I have a friend who says, one of the most important questions is, so what are you going to do next? Like one of the most important questions in life. You're faced with X, Y, Z. So what are you going to do next? Who am I? Who am I called to be? And what am I going to do about it? So why are we troubled? Well, I think because every time we open our phone, every time we turn something on, we see troubling results all around us. And underneath this massive mess, when we look in the mirror and we see what we see, it's so easy to look in disbelief or to allow doubt to rise up and not like what you see. And that hurts. hurts. So why be troubled because the truth the way I see it no matter how we slice it is this right here I am not in trouble because of Christ I am not in trouble Because I belong I am not in trouble Because I am loved He has given me a new heart and a new start new identity and new power He has given you a new heart He has given you a new start He has given you a new identity and new power. Friends, you are loved. You belong. You are not in trouble because of his immeasurable power. The secret to this mystery, it's Christ in you. Yes, Christ in you. One final thought. We have a God who loves us and cares for us infinitely greater than we can fathom. And when we are tempted to believe in the unfairness of our circumstances, we're troubled. Yet the beauty is that we are not in trouble. We are loved and we are called by the one who made us and he calls us to follow him. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for our morning. Thank you so much for this place, this church, this encouragement. I pray, God, that we might remember whose we are that we aren't in trouble because of faith in you, that when we hand our hearts to you, that we belong to you forever and always. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.
0: Who am I to proclaim a faith so bold? All I've done is survive another year. And arrived at the season of feeling old. of living has brought me here Who am I to approach such a holy throne A half-cousin to your sworn enemy On your coattails I'm praying This grace is not on loan That's when the maker smiles down on Says when did I ever leave you alone? I've been here right from the start All of Heaven's remarking on how you've grown. I've declared you a work of art. This is the view from your father's heart. When memories rise like ghosts And trying to take hold Let your voice declare me soul And say when did I ever leave you alone I've been here right from the start All of heaven's remarking on How you've grown I've declared